It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 371 for December 8th, 2013. This week, crooks from around the globe want your money. If you'd prefer to keep your money, this week's program has some helpful suggestions. And this is such an important topic that it's the only topic in the main section. In short circuits, Jeff Bezos and the incredible Amazon drone. Microsoft's Nokia phone is closer. And yet another music service. Robert Siciliano is a McAfee security expert who is particularly interested in preventing identity theft. For more than 20 years, he's been researching security issues in an effort to stay ahead of the crooks. Thieves particularly like the holidays because we're all in a hurry about this time of year and we're all looking for a bargain. On Black Friday, I spent about half an hour talking with Robert and this week's program largely consists of that interview. If you're looking for the real war on Christmas, this is it. Siciliano recently prepared a list called the 12 Scams of the Holidays. And from the looks of it, the crooks haven't left anybody out. They have something for you no matter what kind of computing device you have. Now, I may be entirely wrong about this, but it seems to me that a lot of people think portable devices are not as vulnerable as desktop and notebook computers. As it turns out, that's right. But it's also dangerous. So there are millions of viruses targeting uh, PCs, you know, Microsoft's operating system. Uh, there are thousands targeting Macs, and there are tens of thousands targeting mobiles, uh, most, mostly the Android operating system. And uh, that being said, you know, uh, the, if your, your perspective of, you know, mobiles aren't as vulnerable is correct, but... Tens of thousands of viruses targeting mobiles is still a problem. That is a large number. So if you're online with any kind of computing device, it's smart to be wary. This time of year, a lot of people are going to be looking for good deals on various products. You can do an Internet search, of course, get a lot of hits. So you know, let's say you're looking for a camera. You see places like B&H Photo, J&R, both of those in New York, places that have been around for a while. Newegg probably shows up, maybe Target, maybe Sears, Amazon's probably there. You check the prices and you find, oh, wow, they're all about the same. But then you run across an online store that offers the same camera for 30% less than everybody else. That much of a price difference has to raise at least some caution flags, I think. What do you do to protect yourself? So you just described the perfect scenario as to why, you know, uh, consumers get bit because they do that comparison shopping and then they find this offer that essentially is too good to be true. And generally it is. Uh, these phony e-tailers that set up around this time of the year uh, are specifically targeting those people that don't know any better. And when they click on links and they enter these websites, they end up providing credit card information to criminals. And bad guys are getting better at 
indexing their sites higher in search, so they are showing up. And when this occurs, uh, consumers end up you know, losing money uh, in regards to credit card fraud. Uh, in some cases, you know, there might be exorbitant shipping fees that make up the difference of um, the prices. Uh, there might be legitimate e-tailers, but you know, they're losing money in shipping. But in the end, um, you know, you'll get your money back as long as you're paying attention to your credit card statements, you're refuting unauthorized charges if you don't get the products and services. But you'd be surprised at how many people are just lax in their responsibilities in regards to credit cards. Uh, those same websites, they will um, uh, have links that, once you click, could infect your uh, device. Uh, if your browser is outdated, if your operating system is outdated, if your antivirus is not updated or non-existent, then you could have problems there as well. So, you know, beyond credit cards, the goal often is to infect your devices and then they get, you know, all the websites you visit, the usernames and passwords you type in, any data on the machine, and so on. Uh, so, consumers have to beware and they generally should do business with those who they know, who they like, and who they trust. And, uh, you know, stick with the top 10 that you're familiar with and just don't do business with, you know, rogue third-party sites that you're unfamiliar with. Along the same lines, but maybe a different delivery method, I've been seeing a lot of spams that offer, for example, an iPad mini for 90% off retail, sometimes 95% off. Obviously, these deals don't exist. So what are the messages fronting for? Yeah, and auction scams are out there, um, you know, to... Like mom said, if it's too good to be true, it definitely is. And, you know, what happens when we see these ads via phishing or even stumbling upon a website, uh, there is a spike uh, neurologically in our endorphins. You know, we get excited when we see these offers. It, it, it makes us feel good. It, 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 it does something to us chemically. And when that happens, we, we tend to make irrational uh, decisions. We, we tend to you know, kind of go dumb momentarily. And we will uh, explore these sites, these opportunities even further. And there's, there's copy, uh, there's language in, in, in their sites, in, in these communications, in these, in these phishing emails that is designed to get our attention. It's designed to make it feel good. It's designed to get, excite us. And they know what they're doing. Like the people who create these, they're not just, you know, some guy in his mom's basement. They're, they're, these are organized criminals that are employing technologists and, and, and sociologists and psychologists and so forth in order to, you know, press our buttons to, to get our attention. And they're effective in what they do. And they might send out millions of these emails and all they need is a small percentage to respond. And that small percentage you know, could very well make these criminals wealthy. Uh, so, you know, again, it's a buy beware and consumers, you know, knowing what they're getting themselves into. And, and if they see something that's too good to be true, chances are it is. Yeah, that, that's old advice, but true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, I, I, it, this is a little off topic, but not too long ago, I was looking for a camper. You know, my family's just begun to camp, and I've got a couple of little girls and a wife, and they're not too crazy about the tent, so I'm looking at a camper. And I found a really nice one on Craigslist, you know, one that's like uh, 25 feet, and one that I'm familiar with, a brand that I know, and it was only only a 2005, and the, the ad was a woman who was going through a divorce, and her husband gave her the camper as part of the settlement, and this and that, and she's selling it at an enormous discount, like $2,500 for easily a $15,000 used camper. 
And so I immediately contacted her. I'm like, yeah, this is wonderful. What town are you in? I'll come down this week to see it. Um, and she's like, she's like, uh, she responds right back. She's like, thank you so much. I just want to get rid of this thing. However, I, I didn't put this in the ad because, you know, I, 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 I should have though. Uh, the camper's actually not here. It's in Chicago. I live in Boston. It's in Chicago, which is where I was living with my husband. And it's on, you know, this particular lot with, with this company and they'll easily ship it to you, you know, but they'll send you as many pictures as you want. And when I saw it initially, like I got a little like crazy, you know, like this is what I do for a living. I and mean, when I say a little crazy, like I got like excited. And that's the endorphins that I've been kicking around. And and I, but the, the within within five seconds of reading the email, it's on a lot in Chicago. They're going to ship it to you. I knew it was a scam. But a lot of people, they'd see the same thing, and their emotions would still keep them going. And they would start like investigating ways in which to make this thing happen and justify how you know, sight unseen, they can buy this thing. And they take this woman's sob story for, for what it's worth. And you'd be amazed at how gullible and vulnerable people are. Of course, we have the West African princes and the shady bankers. They want to share millions of dollars with us if we'll just let them send us the money. Well, and, 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 you know, and those ads right there, they're preying upon the most vulnerable, the most naive Whereas, it, you know, the, the, the camper one, like a, a rational, intelligent person may fall for that. Um, you know, in all, in all the ads that we see for 90% off, rational, intelligent people would fall for stuff like that, you know? Uh, it's, it's not so far-fetched that, it, that, it, that it, it's impossible that you can get this camera for 90% off on Black Friday. Like, that's not completely, completely out of the ordinary. Um, whereas, you know, the Prince one is. You do talk about several scams that can slip by normal, rational people. Phony SMS messages, for example. Now, for those who don't know, tell me first what SMS is and then why it's a good idea to question apps that show up via SMS. So, um, the uh, SMS, of course, the short message service, which is, uh, for most people, another word for text messaging. Uh, and, um, when uh, scammers get a hold of your mobile number, and they might get it because you entered your mobile number in a form online, they might get it because you um, are just part of uh, a robocall scam. And uh, once they know your mobile device uh, and they know it's a mobile phone, they send you SMS scam messages that might require you to download something by clicking a link. It might require to enter personal information by clicking a link. Um, it might require to simply respond with um, personal information uh, via the text. And the scams themselves are designed to either uh, get you to um, download something that would be spyware that would take over your device, get you to go to a website where you might enter personal information like credit card data uh, for, again, too good to be true offers, essentially designed to skim your card information. And then some of these scams might be designed to you know, get you to download a mobile application that would be uh, often an Android app where you're going outside the walled gardens of Google Play. Uh, and that um, scam uh, is designed to usually, you know, again, uh, the, mo the mobile application itself could be malicious or could just be skimming, you know, basic personal information about you to send you additional marketing information uh, or, you know, credit or get credit card data. Um, generally, you should only 
downloading applications from within the walled gardens of Apple and Google and not downloading apps via a text message and or going uh, to third-party sites. Um, really, Google Play and Apple do a pretty good job of vetting their apps uh, because, you know, you ha- they have to, you know, because uh, there are so many developers out there that are rogue and they're creating these apps specifically to, uh, you know, scam consumers. The thing is, though, if you accept an app from somebody you don't know just because they say you'll like it, that's kind of like being approached by some guy on the street who hands you an unwrapped hamburger and says, here, why don't you eat this? How many people would do that? Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get. Yeah, exactly. Because of, of digital technology, you know, people just kind of accept what comes their way, and and that's the problem. That's why there are so many scams proliferating, because people just generally take technology, you know, at face value, and they trust it. Which your example is perfect, and and people just don't see. The vulnerabilities there. A few weeks ago, a typhoon hit the Philippines. There's no shortage of organizations trying to help, from Doctors Without Borders to the Red Cross and lots of others. But there are also fraudsters out there who want to help themselves. They want to collect your money and keep it. How do you differentiate between the good ones and the bad ones? Yeah, you can't differentiate good from bad, um, especially when you receive an email, because uh, the templates and the, 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 the code and everything else in the background looks perfect. There, there's no differentiating a fake Red Cross email from a, from a real Red Cross email. And the thing is, is the Red Cross is not going to send you an email soliciting donations. Neither will UNICEF or many other charities for that matter. Um, charities do, but you're not going to know whether it's real or whether it's fake. So what I tell people is to never, ever respond to an email to donate to a charity. If you want to donate to a charity, you go directly to the website. You do a quick search for UNICEF, you're going to find them in the first page of search. Um, you you want to go to Red Cross, just go to redcross.org. Uh, but never respond to an email to make a donation. Same thing with the phone call. Same thing with the text message. Um, once you start uh, engaging in any uh, inward-bound communications, uh, your chances are you're going to get scammed and you're going to be giving your money to, to criminals. Um, if you want to make donations, you do your own research, you make your own phone calls, you do your own searches, and more than likely you're going to find a legitimate uh, charity online. This isn't explicitly an online threat, but you also caution people when they're thinking about buying a gift card for somebody. What's the risk there? There's two. Uh, there's both in the physical world and the virtual world. So you should only be buying gift cards from organizations that you're familiar with, you know, like Amazon and others that you've done business with before. You can go to their site, you can buy their gift cards. Once you start doing searches for gift cards, there are bad guys that are creating searchable websites that sell gift cards. There are also legitimate uh, websites selling gift cards. And the, the problem for those legitimate websites selling gift cards, you know, they'll sell gift cards to any single store, is that you just don't know them. You're not familiar with them. You've never done business with them before. I mean, and if you have, great. Do business with the ones that you know. But there are so many that pop up that you, that you don't know who they are. Like, you don't have a, a, a track record with them. You don't have a history with them. You just really don't know if you're going to be giving your information to a criminal. So ultimately, you should only be buying from those who you know, who you like, and who you trust, like an Amazon and so on. Uh, and then there's in the, re- in the retailers, in the brick and mortars. 
you should only be buying gift cards from uh, like behind customer service counter, meaning that if you buy gift cards off the rack, uh, criminals are known to swap them out with cards that um, they may uh, have access to. They may uh, scratch off some of the pin codes in the back of those cards to get the moment that you buy them and you, you load them up, that they have access to your funds and they can go ahead and make purchases. So you kind of got to be careful there. You know, they put these gift cards that are sitting on the rack right near the checkout counter and you can load up, you know, 50, 100 or $500 in that gift card. Why wouldn't a criminal go in there and try to, you know, compromise those cards ahead of time? It's just too easy for them not to. So if you buy them behind the counter, customer service, there's a much greater chance that they're going to be okay, that they haven't really been compromised. One of your points makes me a little bit sad. Dangerous electronic cards. But I have a feeling there's probably a pretty easy way to differentiate between a fraudulent message and a real greeting card. As long as the card is specifically addressed to you and it's specifically coming from somebody who you know, generally that should be okay, right? But even if you do decide to open up that card that it's specifically addressed to you and it's coming from somebody that you know, uh, make sure you have antivirus, anti-spyware, anti-phishing, and a firewall turned on so that anything that, that launches, when that card launches, uh, is um, you're going to be protected from. You know, you have Flash, you have Java, and so forth. These are technologies that have known vulnerabilities. As long as your PCs are up to date, you know, your OS is up to date, your different software is up to date, and um, your you know, antivirus and so forth is up to date. Generally, you should be in pretty good shape in that regard. Once you start clicking links in these cards, that, that can get you into additional trouble. Uh, anytime a card is listed such as, hey, your loved one sent you a card, that's very generic in nature, uh, very general, and that often should be construed as a scam. One of my all-time favorites is the ploy that claims to come from your bank says you have to validate information such as your credit card number, your username, your password. Those are dangerous requests. They're things that no bank would ever really ask for. But just to prove that the request is legitimate, the message lists the first four digits of your credit card number. Yeah, see, the the, the problem with that is that you know there are many credit card numbers out there that have that start with three and four and five. And then the second number is either one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. And the third number is either one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. And bad guys know this, and they know that if you send out a certain amount of of, of emails that look like that with the first four numbers, um, that they're going to hit the mark. I mean, there are so many hundreds of thousands of people that are going to receive these um, phishing emails if they send millions and millions of cards where the first four numbers match up. Uh, and even if uh, it's close enough. People aren't paying all that much attention. They begin to click links, and they, and they end up down this rabbit hole. Um, so really, if you ever receive an email from your bank or a credit card company, you call them you and or you log into your account via your, your, your favorites menu or uh, your password manager or just manually type in it to the address bar. But once you start clicking links in the body of an email, that's when you begin to get yourself into trouble. At least a decade ago, it was pretty clear to me that the Internet had become the new Wild West where anything went. Back then, I thought that law enforcement would have everything under control by now. Clearly, I was absolutely wrong about that. It seems that we can't even control spam, much less fraudsters who are intent on stealing everything that's not in a lockbox. 
Why is this proving to be so difficult? It's because the amount of criminals are overwhelming the amount of law enforcement that's capable of responding. Uh, you basically need a law enforcement officer standing next to every single person who has a connection to the Internet in order to prevent fraud. You know, um, it, uh, it's kind of like, you know, where people say, well, where's a cop when you need one, right? You, you'd really have to have a cop every driveway of every home in America in order to prevent all kinds of crime. And about now, I'm trying to think of a bad joke about the NSA. And the sheer volume of crimes that happen uh, using uh, the Internet, uh, you know, using phishing emails and so forth, uh, is just daunting. And you, the amount of security that would be necessary in order to prevent all of it from happening would ultimately um, eliminate a lot of people from being able to access the web, meaning that the, uh, the basic intelligence necessary to, to, to navigate the, the security that would be necessary to fix all these problems um, doesn't pass the grandmother's test. You know, the, the basic security that doesn't pass the grandmother's test. So it would overwhelm most people and it would stop commerce uh, uh, to a certain degree that the, the dollars and cents wouldn't, make, wouldn't add up. So retailers are giving up a lot. Banks are giving up a lot. Credit card companies are giving up a lot uh, of, of uh, sales via fraud, but they're making so much more uh, that that it's it's cost effective for them to take take those hits. Uh, as far as law enforcement goes, back to your original question, again, you know they're just overwhelmed. You know, people. I, I'm asked the question all the time. So credit card fraud happens. Like, at what point do you call the police? And my response is, well, I mean, do you really think that Bonnie Fife is in a position to respond to credit card fraud that occurs when it's being done by criminals in Romania? And he just isn't. He doesn't have the bandwidth. Um, and when it happens cross-border, you know, that becomes federal. And generally, FBI, Secret Service, whoever, they're not looking into major credit card fraud unless it exceeds uh, six figures. And even then, um, you know, they're only really, you know, taking down organized crime when they happen upon a meth lab that is, you know, operating within a hotel locally and they just happen on um, the fact that they have you know, dozens and dozens of fake IDs and dozens and dozens of credit cards and so forth. And it's only then that they bust this criminal organization uh, because it's happening in their backyard. McAfee and others provide software that's designed to keep computer users safe. But to some extent, the final security measure really has to be wetware, doesn't it? The stuff that's located between people's ears? Most security should happen in the chair. The person is sitting in front of the computer. And, and, and it really does boil down to you and I. You know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for personal responsibility in life as in security. Um, people who complain that you know, they're victims generally are because they're just they don't have the security intelligence or the basic common sense uh, in order to, you know, maintain their own basic security, you know, and, and that basic security starts with, of course, you know, keeping your operating system updated, your browser updated, your, um, your antivirus license paid for, you know, and, and so on. And that's all easy stuff to do. And as long as you're, uh, paying attention to the variety of ruses and scams 
you generally you should not be victimized. You know, people always ask me, you know, so what do I do if I get this email? It's coming from my bank or my credit card company. Like, I know it's my, my bank. Like, I get it every single month. I get those same emails, too. I get those same correspondence like everybody else does. I, I turned off the paper a long time ago. I know when I'm getting legitimate communications from these entities. I don't click the link in the email from my bank to access my statement, even though I know it's legit. Because how easy would it be to scam me or anybody else for that matter with that exact same email that you know is coming in from your bank? Like, you know it's coming in from your bank. It looks legit. It's the sheer convenience of all these different technologies that is what gets us every single time. Those conveniences that bad guys send out, they know we're lazy. They know it's just so much easier to click the link in the email than it is just to take one extra step and to go to your favorites menu or one extra step to go to your password manager. They know it's so much easier to click that link, and that's why they're so successful. That's Robert Siciliano. He's a McAfee security expert. And coincidentally, about half an hour after talking with Siciliano, my phone rang. This is Joe from the Shipping Department of Emergency Medical Supplies, the caller said. I'm calling to arrange shipping for your... At that point, I broke in. Buzz off, I commented, and hung up the phone. I may be old, but I'm not stupid. In short circuits, unless you've been hiding out from the NSA... You've probably heard about Amazon's plan to deliver goods by drone. Jeff Bezos is a really smart guy, and he knows how to launch a trial balloon in a way that will gain the greatest publicity for Amazon at the beginning of the annual Christmas feeding frenzy. In other words, the Amazon drone is filled primarily with hot air. Amazon CEO Bezos says that a drone helicopter with eight propellers will deliver a small basket of goodies to Grandma's house, or yours, if she or you live within about 10 miles of an Amazon warehouse. A small basket? A few pounds at most. And at what cost? You buy a $15 book and the delivery fee is 200 but even if they get that part figured out, think about the logistics. How would this work in a place like New York City? People don't have front doorsteps or lawns, at least not in Manhattan. Instead, they live in high-rise buildings. Will the Bezos basket fly into a building, decapitate a few people in an elevator, and then deliver the book to an apartment on the 73rd floor? I think not. What was Bezos smoking when he came up with this goofy idea? Uh, but, but wait... It's not really about delivering a book in 30 minutes. It's about getting publicity for Amazon at the very beginning of the shopping season. The fact that the announcement was made on Cyber Monday should tell you about all you need to know about this fake story.
Microsoft's $7 billion bid to acquire Nokia is moving along. It should be completed in the first quarter of 2014. The Justice Department has already approved the deal. Other hurdles remain, such as approval by the European Union. Watchdog agencies in India, Israel, Russia, and Turkey have already approved the acquisition. Microsoft says the approval from the Department of Justice was unconditional. And yes, this is the same Department of Justice that almost put Microsoft out of business back in the 1990s. Microsoft says it's looking forward to having Nokia and its employees become a part of the Microsoft family next year. Well, here's just exactly what the world needs. Yet another online music service. This one is called Beats, and it will commence operations in January. Beats Electronics is the manufacturer of Dr. Dre headphones and the owner of Beats Music. CEO Ian Rogers says preparations are complete, and the service will launch in the U.S. during January 2014. It appears that the new service's primary target is Spotify, which is currently the leading provider of streaming music. Beats is taking a different approach to advertising, though. Most competing services have relied on word-of-mouth and word-of-mouse marketing, but Beats has enough money to run full-page ads in major publications. The market space is becoming a little bit crowded. Competitors, in addition to Spotify, include Ardeo, Rhapsody, and some additional smaller operations. The market isn't particularly healthy either. Radio laid off employees in November and hired a new CEO. Spotify raised $250 million from investors, then announced it'll try to play a little nicer with artists. YouTube is expected to start a music streaming service too, sometime early in 2014. And for users of Windows phones, there's Mix Radio. That's a service of Nokia. Mix Radio comes without ads. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.